Farkas takes a shot off the back of a defender, set up for Bender. It's Westwood with a shot. He scores! A world in their own! But Ashley Westwood, his first stateside goal, equalizes for the crowd! It's a goal that has been brewing from the Englishman. It's an exceptional finish from Ashley Westwood. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. That was our friends, Wilful Logic and Jessica Charman on WFNZ. A stunner from the gemstone, Danny Brams, on a Saturday night at the Keep. What a goal that was. The captain. The Englishman. Hi, T. Uh, uh, of course, Jess Charmer with the a goal that has been brewing. You know, she made the T reference that that had she had been saving that up one up for a while, and uh, it was a goal that was brewing. John, great to see you tonight. Great to be here after a three three draw. Uh, we did an episode earlier this year that was when a draw feels like a loss, and this one it, we can tentatively title it at least when a draw feels like a win. Maybe the maybe the sister episode, the companion episode to that one. Because well, there's some disagreement time. there. That's why I didn't name it that. Because there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it is the name, but it could be the name. That's what I'm saying. It's a candidate. Our our friend Tug Speedman, uh, yeah. one of the TFOs, uh, he says uh, that it felt, it was a draw that felt like a loss. Danny, he said that on social today. We appreciate everybody's engagement at For the Crown Baby. Find us there on Twitter. Uh, join the join the show. Drop yourselves in the comments uh, tonight on tonight's Sunday night live stream. Back at it on Sunday nights after mm-hmm. a three three draw that felt like a draw. I'll, I'll land. <laughs> okay, can we settle there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll land things uh, in the middle. Um, so, uh, cheers. Hi, what's up, Bridget? Uh, hey, Greg. Thanks for joining the live stream tonight. And um, Patrick Ajumon, Danny Branch. He's somebody that I want to talk to uh, talk about. I'd love to talk to him on the show too. Uh, but but would like to talk about Ajumang and the fact that he scored the equalizer and played for Crown Legacy today. Did you see that, Danny? Yeah, yeah. And he scored for Crown Legacy. Scored two goals on the weekend in two different leagues. What a what an absolute stud. I mean, Patrick Ajumang is a legend. Did I see that was the first time ever that um, someone scored a goal in MLS and MLS Next Pro in the same weekend? I believe it was the first time in history that's ever happened off the top of my head it has to be because last year was the first year ever of mls next pro and uh no other mls next pro team is as liberal moving guys up and down uh between the two ranks of charlotte fc i say inventive i say strategic that put things into perspective for me Danny, just to think about like the way that charlotte is using crown legacy uh i i don't mind being different Mm -hmm. using crown legacy in this way uh as long as that uh, uniqueness leads to a culture of winning and it doesn't burn out young players who are being asked to play on back-to-back match days. Uh, that's something uh, pretty rare that uh, you don't see a lot when it comes to professional soccer. Am I wrong there, Danny? When's the last time you've seen something like that? Uh, ben Bender did it right uh, for the Crown Legacy opener. He he play, he subbed in the, the night before. I'm talking outside of uh, Charlotte FC. Yeah. I've never seen that shot of Charlotte FC. Uh, Ajumang played 15 minutes for the crown on Seattle, had the equalizer goal, and then came on and started for Crown Legacy. And I, I've never seen it, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see it that often, but for now it's working for Charlotte FC. So this was last night. Charlotte trying to equalize. Bronico ahead for Gaines. 
Gaines has it just outside the area, trying to turn around a pirouette with it. Back outside the area, Bronico. It's Burns. It's the end of the area. Back post header. He scores! It's Patrick Hodgson! That's Willie P on the call. Uh, I love it. You again. can see that passion, this pure passion from Willie P. Right? There. Yeah, he's pumped. I, everyone was pumped about the equalizer, and that's that's last night. But this is today. Now flipping it back out, headed away is Lapkiss, and now an open net. Oh, Charlotte taking advantage, and Crown Legacy a one 0 lead. Left an open net for Crown Legacy. I mean, it, it Absolutely was incredible. It was a, a a goal into an open net from Ajimang, uh less than 24 hours later. Uh, underneath the bar, it was just silky and smooth. And Lenny C chimes in and says, what does he say, Danny? He says, size does make a difference with a little sly uh, emoji there. Uh, I think he, uh, you know, the more formal version of size matters there. Uh I don't know, man. Uh, uh, Ajumon's sick. He's looking like Lucas Zellerey on there, scoring from near midfield on, on a keeper off his line. Um, he, I think the young man can do it. If you we listen to his quotes, I don't know if you want to cue those up right now or wait for another couple minutes, but Ajumon is the conversation right now. Ajumon is everything in Charlotte FC's world because he's the young starlet. He's the draft pick. He's he's make, He's such a physically imposing presence on the field that you can't miss him when you're in the stands. He scored the equalizer. He's uh, he's kind of leapfrogged. We already talked about this on the show, and now this uh, last night and this weekend kind of cements it. He's certainly he started alongside Vinny Mello today uh, uh, for the legacy. But as far as which guys coming up to the first team, it's Ajmong who's who's got to be choice ahead of Vinny Mello at this point, right? There's no doubt about it because this is a, it's been a storyline, Danny. If you if you think back, uh, Christian Latanzio deserves a, a lot of credit for bringing. Uh, a guy like Patrick Ajumang along. Um, it's it's somebody who, uh, when you think back to the Philadelphia game, was put in there in that second half. And then he gets his first start of the season against Columbus. And we know that story. It didn't go well. He was taken off at halftime. And then now he's in this super sub role once again. He scores the goal. He gets the touch and the confidence is just absolutely oozing. And it's through the roof. You go to MLS next pro, you get a goal the next day. Mm -hmm. Uh, This club has done an unbelievable job bringing this young striker along. And with an injury to Enzo Capetti, who, by the way, said he was back. Didn't see him last night at the Fortress. He was back in training. He was back in training, you know, back-ish, you know, for this club to look within and and develop a striker to fill that void, void someone who contributes to the match uh, from a homegrown player is pretty uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and I love it. And it's it really like uh, our friend, friend of the show, uh, you know, friend of the club, uh, president of the club, Joe Blue, put it very good, well in a thread uh, this morning on Twitter. Joe Joe's Sunday morning thoughts have always become something I, I look forward to. I, I love when. Uh, JC LeBlue has that morning cup of, cup of Joe and uh, and fires off a few tweets after a, a, a big uh, impactful match. So he talked about how it went back to the last match, like you said, and the, the Ajmong starting against Columbus, getting subbed off Westwood's quote after the fact. I believe we still have that, do we? Uh, no, we don't have it. Um, but uh, what he said about how we apologize to Patrick for like not being not setting him up to succeed in his first start. And uh, and then now Westwood comes and gets his first goal in the match. And then Ajumon gets his first goal in the match. And both of them are equalizers in the second half. And just like 
Like it really starts to feel like in a team that's had a, a lot of bad luck and hard luck and, and uh, shit situations at times. And even Latanzio was getting on the refs last night and saying the ref had a bad game. Uh, things have seemed to have gone against us at times. Uh, things are starting to align when Westwood and Ajumong are clicking and Carroll's making insane plays and Jalen Lindsay, the homegrown is scoring goals. And uh, uh, things are, things are feeling nice. I want to say, uh, everyone in the comments right now is commenting on uh, on Ben Bender, and we're going to get to Ben Bender. We have a few more thoughts on Ajumong here, but there's a huge Ben Bender segment of this episode coming up in, in a couple of minutes, so stick with us tight on there for sure. Uh, after the match, uh, this was Patrick Ajumong. Yeah, I think the main thing is take the positives. Um, in this game, there's a game every week, every other week or so, so you always want to bounce back. And I think this game, although there was a couple of mistakes in terms of um, conceding goals, we were attacking today and we had a good attacking style today. You saw we were pressing, we were creating chances. And I think for us as a team, that's a positive. And our main thing is creating chances. And I think we did a lot tonight. You know, I think Danny uh, Ajumong is showing us a little bit of inside information there. I think if you listen closely, you can hear him talk about creating chances and that being the goal for this club right now. And it's pretty obvious to me that that Christian Latanzio right now is preaching with this squad to create chances. And that's something that you uh, today in your rewatch noted while watching the match, the amount of chances created. Yeah, it's just like I need to see the numbers to really back up my my anecdotal evidence, I guess. But when you compare the team of what we were doing in the first month or so of the season with just numerous like copious amounts of back passing and and resetting constantly and moving things around uh non-stop like and never really going after the goal and then what i saw last night which was just like just crosses into the box constantly sending and and a lot of these are not quality chances like i agree like we could always improve the quality of our chances and the clinicalness of our finishing every every fan will tell you that but what the 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 it's really Miram. I really think it's Miram and, and Kerwin Vargas. And Yusviak was doing it too before he got hurt. But just like this like commitment to like get the ball in the box and and like quit trying to like create the perfect goal and just send balls into the box and see what happens. Things start coming off rebounds. Uh, Benders, um, excuse me, Westwood's goal came from an attack that was really well put together, but got broken up. And then we won a second ball and, and quickly turned it back around. So like, Stuff like like it was it didn't come directly from a ball sent into the box, but it was off a secondary move off of a ball that was sent into the box after we had quickly regained possession off of a rebound. So it's like just start doing that stuff and stuff happens. I mean, it's I don't know if it's a coaching uh, kind of like philosophy change or just more chemistry and connection. But, you know, as our boy Keegan says, when they play forward with pace, they can be dangerous. And, and I saw a lot of forward with pace last night. There was. Uh, our our defensive lapses sucked because Roldan's goal never should have happened and Rui Diaz's second goal in the po back post never should have happened. But I loved the wide-open soccer. I loved getting to see six goals at the Fortress. It, it was a hell of a night. It, it certainly was. And and the, the only reason it becomes uh, a great night is because of the three-goal score. Because on the other side of this, Danny, I think a, a worthwhile note to, to make on this show is that Seattle did score three goals as well. Mm-hmm. And you never really want to give up three goals at home anytime. It doesn't really matter um, if it's if it ends in a draw. Uh, three goals at home is obviously not what this team um, what we're built for. is striving for. Well, 
we can get into the where was Guzman Carujo of it all. Do you think it's just not risking with him? Do you think it's possible he's had a setback that we don't know about, like in his in his rehab and recovery, or do you think it's just extreme caution and care to make sure he's a billion percent healthy when he finally starts a match? No, I think it's extreme caution and care. Um, yeah. But the the lack of confidence in starting him on Saturday against a team that. Um, he would have, I think, done well against is a, certainly a head scratcher. But I think you can look to, towards this ten day break and and yeah. tell tell yourself, well, uh, Charlotte FC isn't playing for ten days, and now without Guzman playing last night, he's got potential to really come back on the backside of this break and be a everyday player for Charlotte FC. That's ultimately the goal, isn't it? Because this back line needs to be uh, dealt with. Because ultimately, at this point in the season, it's it's the Achilles heel. For sure, yeah. Danny. It's it's the reason why you you score three goals at home and you have to equalize every every time. The crown didn't even have the lead at any point right. in this match on Saturday against Seattle. So uh, right. that's a certain way that uh, you can look at it. And Keegan makes a great point. That's right, Keegan. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Is three goals at home needs to be enough to take three points. And uh, even though it was only a point. I think at least uh, it's not a loss. That's yeah. how I have to look at this, right? It it's could a, have been no points. It's a well-earned point. You know, it's a point that'll get us along the way for sure. Uh, we put up JPP's comment also there, 33 goals conceded. We only had 52 all of last year. So we're well on our way here, you know, around the halfway point of the season to uh, significantly more than that. I want to bring up since, uh, since you bring up the back line, I want to show a little bit of what we did and we'll first check the ratings here. And we were in a, I didn't really realize this while I was in the stadium, but when I came back on a rewatch and when I started to watch highlights, I was like, wait, is Bronico and Jones both on the back line? I start, I start seeing this and I'm thinking, are we in a, we're in a five, four, one. That's what sofa score called it. And that's pretty much the way it played out. Uh, when I was not, uh, completely sauced uh watching it with a more analytical eye uh, this afternoon but uh you look and bronico and jones were kind of slotting in and so you see them all the ratings don't look good they're all rated below seven except for Lindsay, who got the goal to bring him up above seven but no one in the back line really earned a great rating burn had the assist and couldn't even get a seven and then i bring up like the defender heat maps and and we can maybe sort of look at like what Jones and Bronico were doing. They were playing midfield, but also center back. It was this really weird hybrid. I don't know what you thought of, of what you saw. I, I'm taking a look at these heat maps now for the first time. Um, and when we take a look at the ratings, which I have seen specifically, you know, the, the thing that stood out to me is Brant Bronico, a 6.3 rating, mm. obviously uh, not good enough and not necessarily – um, a great match, but he did go the full ninety, right? He gave you he, he gave you ninety minutes uh, in a position that is a really tough position to play. Uh, he maybe he was absolutely caught dead on the uh, the first goal that Seattle scored the, off the quick re reset free kick that right. Roldan snuck by the defense, and that was also a little bit of a huge men that was a mental lapse on the part of uh, maybe even the captain kind of let the like he committed a, a hard foul, almost got carded for it then jawed at the ref for like 30 seconds back, walking backwards and like really didn't have the whole whole team set up to receive that free kick. So unfortunately, Bronico looked the worst on it. But uh, but yeah, you see a lot of action from everybody, right? Certainly. Uh, and Derek Jones, he goes the full 90 as well. And those two players, Brant Bronico and Derek Jones, are the two players that 
we've been discussing on the show whether these two should be in the lineup together every single match. And mm -hmm. when Derek Jones slots back into that center back role, you basically have a, a center defensive mid uh, playing in that center back role, which allows Brant Bronico to stay on the field, even with Ben Bender in the lineup. So I think it's, it's a really offensive change is what this is mm -hmm. for Charlotte FC, even though it looks like a five at the back, Right. If you go back to that formation and we can just talk about that five in the back sure. again. But if you if you go and you think about it this way, where you actually have Bronico, Jones, Westwood and Bender in the midfield there mm -hmm. working together with Swiderski, Vargas and Miram, it's actually more offensive with Derek Jones in that center back position because Derek Jones was really wandering up the yeah. up the pitch. If you go back to that heat map, you, you can yeah, see they played. Uh... Yeah, you can see. Look how he's got red zones. He's got orange zones all across half field. So he's an attacking center back. He's someone yeah. that's playing high on the pitch. Like Brant Bronico gives him some cover as well there. Uh, not as much on the left side. A little bit of Jalen Lindsay as well. Um, but it's it's when you look at that heat map, you can tell that it's actually more offensive than you might think it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. It's kind of the old Sheffield United center backs that were, were always uh, – sort of given freedom to bomb up uh that they were back before they got relegated out of the premier league it was fun to watch them uh, i might switch yeah i might switch blades baby blades i love it i might switch uh a little uh to the midfielders here and we can talk about that and, and how it might have worked with the defenders if we kind of compare them you see how with with Lindsay and burn hugging the lines really hardcore vargas and miram were were free to sort of stay uh they're biggest heats on the, the attacking half which i love i've i've bemoaned in the past when vargas is getting a lot of his touches behind half field and this in this case it didn't happen he was able to send a lot of crosses and start some attacks westwood is everywhere obviously bender uh th this is where the conversation finally starts to shift to ben bender because ben bender i mean i wouldn't necessarily i don't know if that's his finest game ever in in charlotte colors i think a couple games last year he was even better but tonight last night was a a re-announcement of Ben Besner's presence in this team. I didn't see it that way. I thought he was good. Uh, I, I, I thought, thought he was amazing. I, I thought he was a, a a player that injects, I think, confidence in front foot football into the lineup. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily Ben Bender and his great performance. I just think you're utilizing that position in a different way when you have Bender and Swiderski working together in with Ashley Westwood. Like That's a really offensive-minded, front foot-minded, uh, attacking style of play. The people are with me, John. That's all I'm going to say. I brought up Brian Schulford's comment, Bender's tactical understanding. Bridget says leaps and bounds. Right. JPP, one of best Bender's best game for us. Go back to those ratings. I think his rating was a 6.5. <laughs> uh, here's the midfield. Yeah. Um, and and really, the, and the heat map is is you know it's it's solid it's it's impressive he's up he's in the areas that he should be and i think that's ultimately the point is like when you combine that to where westwood is it's very mm -hmm. offensive it's very front foot he's playing inside justin miram right on you know maybe a little bit further ben should be kind of towards the middle because look at all that space that both miram and and bender they're both taking up on that left hand side since it's um, always worth looking back at goals let's i'm going to play westwood goal again and let's see if this clip gets us all the way back because this goal actually started from a deep 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 defensive ball recovery from Bender. See that red dot on Bender's uh, heat map there, right where at the at the top of our box, at the top of the defensive box? Yeah. 
that was essentially the, that red dot is him stealing the ball and setting up this play that set up Westwood's goal in the, from the back. Bender right side play for Vargas on the counter. Vargas takes a shot off the back of a defender. Settled for Bender. It's Westwood with a shot. It's So you see, like, that first pass of that clip is yeah. it, uh, where Bender passes it to Ashley and then Ashley sends it deep to Carroll. That was Bender's ball recovery. Uh, that was a, a standout moment for me. There were others. He, I just thought he was just well, you forgot Well, you forgot the best part of that play, uh, that he sprinted and had the next touch about halfway up yes. the field. Course, and then he right. and then he and then he had the final touch on the assist mm-hmm. inside the box. Yeah, and he he so, hustled to get the rebound off Kerwin's shot, like I uh, alluded to earlier. It's a great call out. Um, it's a great play by by Ben Bender, and I think it's it's a change in attacking style. I think it's a uh, talking about Ben Bender is the perfect way to end that segment, which is you know thinking about. Um, exactly what Christian Latanzio wants to do with that tactical change, with moving Derek Jones into that center back role. There's so much more open space and freedom in that central midfield for Ben Bender to cook. It's great to have the young kids involved in this squad. That's what, that's what we've always wanted, Danny and, and Ben Bender and Patrick Ajumong make an impact on a match. That's a very, very good night for Charlotte FC. Yeah. I love the kids. What do you think about Brandon, uh, with the counterpoint of foot mob scoring Bender 7.6 as opposed to Sofa and JPP with the anti-Sofa call out saying we should be using foot mob on this show. I don't know. What, is that, is that podcast business that we need, we need to discuss? Yeah. I'm not sure. Sure. Uh, 7.6, 6.5. Um, that is a point difference. Um, but the, the, the kid has always done what that we've like, I don't need to be resold on Ben Bender being a good player. That's it. You, you can go back to the history of this podcast. That's, that's why um, Mindy Bender loves the show. She's one of our TIFO. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, I hope Mindy right now or listening to, to the rebroad for they, sure. We Ben Bender is that, that start for him. We called it on the show last week. Number one. That he should have started when he came he, in a half. Yep. Um, but he, well, we called it on the show that he was going to start in this match. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yep. Called it. That was obvious to do. Christian Latanzio knew. And that, because that's what Ben Bender does at home. And that's, I think, what uh, the, the fan base should come to expect from this kid is that when he's injected into the lineup, he's not asked uh, to really have any defensive responsibilities. He's, he's asked to go out there and have fun and play front foot football. And that's why he's so lovable. What is the number, number top? He's definitely the top jersey seller. Uh, when it comes to Charlotte FC kit sales, ben yeah, Bender, he's and, one of the top in the league, I believe, and one of the right? top in the league, I think top yeah. ten in the league as well. Um, he's he's a he's a ki- he's a kid for this squad, and <laughs> I'll remind everybody once again, Pat, you know, Patrick Ajuma, he's younger, and Kerwin Vargas, he's younger as well. Yeah, Vargas so, younger than Bender is crazy to think about. The kids are all right, man. Camille is is young. He's twenty. Camille's twenty four. We could field a, a, an under-25 team that would be very, very competitive uh, in, in an MLS U-25 setting, I think. Adelson um, Melanda, only 21 as well, younger than right. Ben Bender. Yeah. Well, there we go. So, uh, Hagar, I haven't seen a ton of Hagar lately, but even he, he he's in those those young kid ranks. Uh, let's look at what the, the Carroll and the Wingers did real quick here just to sort of finish the circle. Uh, and you see not a lot of red on Carroll's heat map. Not necessarily a man of the match performance in terms of like visible impact, but I mean the sublime, the the toe tap straight up in the air to keep that ball in bounds and then dink it over to Lindsay for for the goal was just 
that's a world-class moment. And that's, that's something that that's a unicorn moment. Only Carol can do that. Uh, almost uh, uh, maybe a couple other guys on this team could do it. There's a very few in this league though, that really I think could even make a play like that. And just the wisdom uh, to try it uh, off of another Westwood pass. That was another like fizzing over the top drop down ball from, from Ashley Westwood that Carol was able to corral last week. He made a goal out of it this week. He, uh, Turned it into an assist, and uh, I love Carroll. I don't care what the heat map says. He played in another amazing game. Swiderski for the full 90. Uh, that's, that's, to me, what sticks out in this um, mm-hmm. graphic here. Um, Justin Miram and Kerwin Vargas both come off the pitch. Uh, typically are getting subbed out in most matches, uh, but Carroll Swiderski being asked to go the full 90 once again for Christian Latanzio. He's going to play for Poland during this international break. I'm not sure, but I think he might miss the next match. He is definitely going to miss the next match. The The international break ends like the day before, but he'll be in transit. And I, I think I think it's well understood that he's not going to be playing against Red Bulls at Red Bulls. Should be back for the home match against uh, Montreal on the 24th, which is a midweek match, I believe, right? Yeah, so you got to give Christian Latanzio credit for getting Carroll in the game, playing him at striker, giving him a, a true number 10 in behind. It worked really well. He played the full 90, and now he's off to Poland to to join up with Robert Lewandowski and uh, some, some, some friends during these summer cups. I think, is it uh, yeah. Nations League? Uh, it might be, it might be Nations League. I haven't, I have not followed the, the UEFA calendar closely enough. I think I, it's got to be Nations League. It might be early, early uh, Euros. Maybe it's Euros qualifying. Maybe, maybe I'm off, off there. You'll have to double check that. Forgive me for not knowing. But I do know that uh, one other thing I just that that makes me laugh here as I look at this graphic before we say goodbye to it is look, if you look under each guy's name, sort of above the date where it says 10th June there in each guy's thing, you can see their follower count. And like Kerwin has 116 followers, Miram has 308 followers, Carol has 3,000 followers. So uh, when it comes to the Sofa Score community, you can see that uh, Carol's quite popular uh, relative to other Charlotte guys. Well, you know what he does. Um, in fantasy, you have to get points right by creating on the pitch, yeah. <laughs> creating actions. To, yeah, yes. make making things happen for sure. Yeah, and he Karen. made it happen. Uh, yeah. The touch, the touch. Can we, we have that video? Can I let me call that video up just because it's just so amazing. Uh, the the toe tap up the line was just absolutely uh, sublime, right? Westwood sends it into the area for a running Svidersky. Out in front of him, trying to touch it, trying to keep it in, trying to cross in the area. A shot to score! It is Jalen Lindsay with his first Charlotte FC goal. Oh my goodness, speechless from that ball control by Carol Svidersky, tight roping the touchline, somehow kept it in play to dink it back, Jalen Lindsay, brilliant positioning on that back post to knock it home, Ashley Westwood though with another brilliant delivery, he and Carol Svidersky are building and building that chemistry. Great work by the uh, Charlotte FC social team and the the production team and obviously Will and Jess, WFNZ as well. We, we love sharing all of the amazing work that y'all do on this show. I love that week. video because of all the fan shots. They show the goal and they show – first, you, I love a lot about that video. You see how happy Miriam is for Lindsay. Like you <laughs> see Miriam like freaking yeah. out. Like he's so happy for Jalen Lindsay. Like how quickly has he integrated into this squad? And then uh, 
and then yeah, all the fan cutaways they show sort of in the celebration uh, for a Charlotte kid to score his first ever goal for the club, just insanity. I think back to Atlanta last year when we saw Jalen Lindsay up close after the game, uh, after a tough loss, he's hanging with young fans. Uh, he's, he's always been a, a fan favorite. Jalen Lindsay is, and uh, somebody that uh, connects with the fan base and uh, is a really good role model for kids. He's one of our own. He's one of our own. The Jersey stays tucked in as Keegan points out. Yeah. Knuckles Jersey. He, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't untuck that kid. He keeps it too, too fresh, man. Too drip. You know, uh, I like what JPP says. It says so many people don't understand how out of bounds works. The ball has to be all the way out of bounds. Not, not just a, maybe a fraction of it. And, uh, Carol knew it was in bounds. You never, you notice how Carol like never even quit. Like there was a long VAR review on that goal, and like yeah. I was worried because I was like, man, once it goes to VAR, that means they take it away. And I was like, fuck. But then uh, they, they it stood, and Carol was Carol was like never doubt. He's like, can we go? Can we? Like I I kept it in bounds. I know it was in bounds. Like so. I from my vantage point thought it was out of bounds, and it was just a it was a, a brilliant uh, display of skill. And that's why he's going to play uh, for uh, Poland in this international break, because he's he's a class player that um, and one thing I also wanted to just point out was um, there's a lot of class all of a sudden when it comes to this squad. Uh, when you think about Justin Miram, Karl Swiderski, and you think about Ashley Westwood, you, you're starting to think about veteran players um, mm-hmm. who can perform at a high level in front of a big crowd. So let's develop these young kids around them and see what it does for us on the table. Can, do, we get, do we have a chance to look at the table this evening? We do. Uh, the table has been updated uh, post-Seattle, and we're in 10th place, not, not exactly where we want to be, but we're in the mix. I believe this is a playoff team still. I do too. And if you look really closely at the table there, what you'll see is there's a, like a drop-off right after uh, Atlanta United in that fifth position um, and Columbus in that sixth position uh 28 and 27 and 26 even to orlando at seven right so there's yeah you kind of have to identify where those drop-offs are and those three points that separate both orlando and dc united in that um seven and eight spot i think is an important drop-off area especially because orlando has two games in hand Mm -hmm. on dc um, Columbus has a game at hand as well. Charlotte FC has the same amount of points there. That seems to be kind of where the cutoff line is starting to shape up. I think that we're going to get five or six teams into the Eastern Conference playoffs pretty easily, which means I think there's going to be three spots up for grabs. I think you're talking about a, a six for three, six team for three spots type of scenario here. Yeah. I feel, uh, I, I feel that I feel that's right. I agree. Jorge Torres, friend of the show, so got to see him on on Saturday working hard, uh, shooting the game, shooting the the concourse at halftime. And he points out Montreal huge win against Minnesota. Minnesota's not the best team out in the West, but they are a team that usually doesn't lose four zero to to Montreal. So uh, that was a surprise result that kind of popped them above us. Uh, again, they they have the game in hand on us too, so they they could jump us. I I as you know from listening to us last year, we we harped on about the games in hand. I, I'm not a huge fan of like other teams being able to jump us in games in hand because I always assume the worst <laughs> that they're going to win big or something like that. But the good news is we play Red Bulls and Montreal next. Those are our next two fixtures. And I misspoke earlier. The Red Bulls matches the midweek, and then Montreal's a Saturday. So midweek on the road, Saturday at home uh, in two weeks. Can't wait. We can put some distance between ourselves and those two clubs very nicely with with a pair of wins. 
Yes, and that's a great call out and why this table is so important right now is because that that six team for three group that we're talking about is DC United, Montreal, Charlotte, New York Red Bulls, uh, Toronto, NYCFC, mm-hmm. uh, Inter Miami, and Chicago Fire. Really, you could go eight, eight for right. three. NYCFC might be getting Tati Castellanos back potentially for a few games. And uh, I think Inter Miami might also be be bringing in some big transfers. As look well, at so. look at Inter Miami there. Look at Inter Miami's <laughs> run of form. And that's, L, that's, L, L, that's where Messi yeah. is going. Yeah, that, it's a messy Messi down there in Miami for sure. It's an interesting table. Uh, it's it's interesting to see Cincinnati just absolutely running away from th- with things right now too. It's insane what what uh, what the right uh, front office can do for a club. I we I said it in a previous episode. They brought in uh, Chris Albright from Philly, and he turned their club around in two years. They went from wooden spoon to uh, to top of the league, and it's because they brought in the right players. They made a few key moves and uh, did it did it up. Uh, do you agree with JPP where he says we need at least four points for Red Bulls Montreal? I think we need we need six. We, I would I, I mean well, at I least mean, I at least live four, with four. Is, at least four is probably the right way to say it, but you would love to have six, but you yeah. need at least four. Gesslin trying to call me out. I keep saying this is a playoff team, and he says, what point does the club have to get above 500 before we mention playoffs? Uh, After uh, decision day. Yeah, I guess what? Guess what, Gesslin? I love you, but I'm the one talking, so I'm going to say whatever I want about the playoffs on this team. Uh, Great question from Jorge Torres here, and maybe uh, this is where we can end it tonight. depending on if you want to, but out of curiosity, the, the mystery three players Laddie wants. Latanzio mentioned in a press conference this week, he's spoken to the front office about needing to bring in three players in the transfer window. Uh, do, you, do you think it's three specific players, or do you mean three positions there? What, what are your thoughts on upcoming transfers as we start to get more specific on it? It's a great question. Uh, I think he's, Christian Latanzio, talking about uh, some help on the back line, for sure. Uh, I think he wants to start there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also think he's interested in a, a player that maybe could play in that attacking Nuno Santos, Ben Bender type role that uh, someone could step into that uh, position there and uh, maybe some depth on the wing as well um, and get yourself another attacker on the wing because Andre Shinyashiki is somebody that you no longer have on the squad as well. So I think specifically he's talking about two attacking players and one defensive player, uh, certainly that would be best case scenario. If he's looking for two defensive players, I don't hate that, but it just feels like uh, right now front foot transfer is where you want to go. Yeah. I mean, you're coming off of a match where Lindsay scored his first career goal for the club and Byrne played his best match ever for the club and had an equalizer assist in the 90th minute. So it's hard to say replace a fullback. Um that said, I do think this was more of a game. I think even with his goal, I think Lindsay will probably unfortunately be sent back to the bench for Affle at some point. It just, I just I don't like it, but it happens all the time. So uh, I don't think we necessarily need a fullback. I think we just need to trust Jalen. I'm I'm all in on Jalen. I, I like Affle as a person, but I just would just play Jalen till the cows come home, till his legs fall off personally because he's a youngster that uh, is one of our own. But uh, as Keegan says, we've been talking about a left back for three transfer windows now. Uh, so we're prob- probably at this point, it's just insanity. We're not going to do it. Um, it. It's never fun to spend money on, uh, on a on a defensive transfer, really. Anyway, right? Uh, you just want to get those guys. On. Just want to like plenty of teams in MLS have done just fine getting uh, you know 
Croatian center backs from from the Serbian league uh, at, at minimum price on free transfers that are between 25 and 29 years old. So uh, I think Columbus Crew is about to do that right now. Um, so center one backs other, are always other, out there. One other thing I'll add is, is that uh, Zoran Kronetta is a football director, a sporting director that likes to cook. He likes to work. He likes mm-hmm. to get deals done. So I would expect him to go out there and get some deals done. So let's ask, let me ask you. I'm going to name a player that will make you laugh. Uh, it's out of, uh, but then I, it it speaks to a broader concept of of the big splash because we're going to humor our good uh, tifos, friend of the show, Brett Thompson, who uh, spent time with us on uh, the pregame party at Hot Fly. Had a hell of a time at Hot Fly. Wiped me out for the entire rest of the night. Like I barely made it to the. I I almost didn't go the full ninety myself because I was just so wiped out from from the midday drink, day drinking. But Brett was there. Had a great time. Let's humor Brett. Would Zoran Kredita go get Bobby Firmino and bring bring Firmino to MLS uh, for one last ride and, and and just dominate? Would he do it? Uh, yes, absolutely, he would do it if he, if he could get the deal done. What did I just say? And he's somebody that likes to make deals. If there's mm-hmm. a player out there that he's got the cash to to spend on, that that would be my big question. Is it, it's not it's not about Zuron when it comes to Firmino. It's about David Tepper when it comes to Firmino. At this Tepper's point, got, you know, shoot, man, for, he could get te- he could go get Firmino for a fraction of Bryce Young signing bonus. Come so on, think about it this way. What Lionel Messi just did in MLS was kind of reset the market. Now yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now you've got uh, some players around the world who are potentially lining up for a change and thinking to themselves, "Hmm, what if I just went to the U.S. and got this crazy DP deal, and I did it maybe a few, two or three years earlier than I normally would have, um, just because the market's been reset." And Messi is in the league and all of a sudden the World Cup is coming to mm-hmm. the United States in 2026 and there's money being spent. All of a sudden you could have um, some players like a, a Firmino getting signed by a club like Charlotte FC. You could, you could see Atlanta United. You know Atlanta United is going to go out and do something mm-hmm. in, this, in this new, I guess, era of MLS transfers. Because the, 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 the roster rules when it comes to – Gam, Cam, thank you, ma'am, and a little bit of uh, DP. <laughs> when it comes to those roster rules, you know, I think they're getting blown up. Man, uh, I thought I was the one with all the innuendo jokes on this show. That was well done. You know, the rules are just uh, – right now you're looking at them and you're saying, like, do they even exist? Uh, you, you saw – um, coaches speaking out, talking about this being totally above board. It's good for MLS. Um, and Len, Lenny C chimes in, and I think this is exactly right. He says, our ticket money should be able to finance a quality player. Come on, DT. We do pay a lot. And we I might all six- get... We might all make our money back. Bottled water last night, bro. It's it's fine, dude. We might make all of our money back on that last game against Inter Miami. (laughs) Not me. No. Oh, this was the best, dude. Some rando. I I was walking around. I had an issue getting in the club. My tickets would not come up on my Charlotte FC app, so I had to go to Will Call and like get them emailed to me through a different link or whatever. And as I was like sorting all that out, I couldn't get in. I was walking around sort of in the concourse, but the pre-concourse before you go in. And two guys were walking by on their merry way. And he, some guy goes, like, hey, man, how much for your ticket? 
to Miami. He's like, I heard you got a ticket for sale, man. And I was like, I was like, hey, thanks for listening to the show, man. You're awesome. You know, like those moments are amazing. Like, I'm not a vain. I try not to be a vain person. I try to have the ego down, but like being recognized by just a, someone, and I don't need to like stop and have like a big long conversation. But they just like shout me out as they're going about their day and and just crossing paths like that is is so fun. So. Yeah, it was. I was wondering where you were when we got into the supporters bar, and we, I'm glad that you figured it out. Like maybe Brandon Davis said the same thing happened. Um, maybe it was a system-wide issue. Fix your app, man. There were people in line with me, but uh, we all got in, so I can't complain too much. It's Charlotte Soccer Show. It's been a fun Sunday night live stream. If you're listening to this on the podcast, appreciate you listening to us there. We're definitely going to be back podcasting later this week. Uh, it is not a match week, but there's plenty of conversation to be had in and around uh, Charlotte FC in this soccer city. Looking forward to seeing you then, Danny. Can't wait, man. It's for the crown, baby. <laughs>